Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning from Coolidge, Arizona. It's the 9th of August, 2020, and we are looking at episode number six in our study of It's Just a Matter of Time, which follows, of course, with our entry music today and the weeks past. A study of Bible time statements, which would be a very long study if we were to even uh, get into the meat of it. Uh, But this one, this time statement, is based on the the concept of um, the uh, restoration movement and their restoring of the truth back to the churches. But how the restoration movement's uh, beliefs Uh, in certain things matches up very closely with the catechism found in the Roman Catholic Church, even though they would probably deny it. This catechism is their teaching, and we're using their writings, their uh, statements on these different time statements 
to do a Bible study concerning as what the Bible says about these certain statements. We've went through a number of them, and we find pretty much the same thing time after time is that <clears throat> we cannot find the wording used in this catechism in the Bible. And not only the wording, but the whole concept is missing. So obviously there's a problem somewhere. But it's not with the scriptures. So the last time that we broadcast this lesson, we were looking at the phrase found in the Catholic Catechism that says, the destruction of the universe will be or is at the end of time. That's their opening remark. Um, of course, they're talking about, you know, the so-called end of the world and when in their uh, thinking, in their doctrine, everything will come to a conclusion, um, which is not what the Bible teaches. But we're going to look at that, and we're going to find that the Bible knows nothing of any of this terminology. Uh, thus, we must uh, come to the thinking that uh, if it's not there, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be taught and on top of that i believe it's very harmful to those that are believing that it is the truth now friends we know if we're studying writings and booklets and and uh, pamphlets and teachings um, in our church we don't we don't assume that it's untrue right. we assume that it's very very well uh, researched and, and, and looked at and it's a representation of the truth. Uh, that's what we assume. Um, we're taught that we can assume that. So, we are, we are flawed as people. And I think that's why, really, Bible teaching should start with the Bible passages rather than our our expose of them the restoration movement that we've been talking about these last few weeks apparently lost its way before correcting this teaching along with so many others uh, within their own assemblies remember the restoration movement was the movement to bring the truth of the scripture the, the polity of the, of the congregations, um, the language of the Bible, back to the Christians. Uh, they might have to take the name off the front of the building or something, but that was the goal, was to, to uh, teach the Christian people these things. Now, they also had an evangelistic arm of their movement that uh, Walter Scott was very... Uh, a very capable man in going out and presenting the gospel, the gospel to people across the country, using the scriptures to convert people uh, to Christ. But this that we are studying here, these time statements, this is the unfinished work that we have to do. Well, it's some of it. 
but it's a good part of it because if we could get if we could at least get our language and our thinking uh, and, and the, the words of the scripture back into our assemblies, I think we would find ourselves in much better condition to live these lives that we've been given. We looked at this at, at a, just uh, shortly last week, but uh, we came to the point where, as Brother Dawson, the man that wrote this book, Restoration Cut Short, uh, exhorts us to study Second Peter chapter three. That's Second Peter chapter three. Um, you know, if you read First Peter, you really do need to read Second Peter because First Peter teaches us is really a a letter to the to the uh, beloved brethren, the scattered sojourners of, of the Lord, wherever they may be. Uh, but the second letter is a letter that is warning, a letter of warning and a teaching um, was, was written so that the people would have knowledge of what the false teachers were doing in that day. And that day was about 65, 66 A.D. And we're going to look at it. We're going to start looking at this chapter. Um, of course, I'm reading from the Youngs. I think he does a wonderful job, of course, normally of his translation. It's simple, but he doesn't leave any of the articles out. He has he's corrected and has a good handle on the pro the uh, not only the pronouns but the uh, prepositions and in the proper order. The tone matches up what it's actually saying in the, in the original language. So, uh, let's look at the first two verses. Second Peter, 1 and 2, chapter 3. He says, This now, beloved, a second letter to you I write, in both which I stir up your pure mind in reminding you to be mindful of the saying said before by the holy prophets and of the commands of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Now, I like how this starts because the things that follow need the, uh, the, they need the authority of what was just stated here. And... The first verse, I, the, to me, the tone is truly Peter's way of showing his love of the brethren because he knows how the Lord loves the, the brethren, and so does he. And he's saying they have a pure mind. He wants to stir up their pure mind. He, he wants to, to get them fired up a little. In, 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 in what, though? And he wants to remind them to be mindful, to be mindful of. You know, we don't say that as much as we should anymore. But we need to be mindful of, of the real important things in our life. Being mindful. Now, of the things that, of the people, of what he was talking about here. Um, 
So this you know, it seems to me like we have to be mindful uh, when we're going into uh, what has become a standardized Christian church or Church of Christ, uh, you know, machine that believes a bunch of this, you know, Catholicism stuff. At the very base, they're following the same line, right. and it's it's a huge turnoff and a huge shock if you just start rattling off all this stuff to somebody that's not being mindful and it, it it's you want to you feel like you have to but yeah. you can't bring a hammer to start with no uh, you, you're right but you have to remember that all this is assumed to be true and right so if you come out and say you folks are all wrong well I don't think you'll probably get much of an audience I think that was a great point. Yeah, yeah is that we are taught to uh, believe what we hear in church, quote unquote. Of course we are. That's that's true. If, it, if it's not mindful, it would be mindless. And being mindless is kind of going on autopilot. It's not thinking about what. Yeah. What's happening and what you're doing. Yeah. But it's almost a comfortable place to be sometimes, you know, mindless. Just you know? yeah, just. You know, kind of turn it down, you know. That's why he's saying, stir up your pure minds and be mindful of these things. What are the sayings? These sayings, in other words, the words, right? The words spoken and said before by who? The holy prophets. And then he caps it off with, and the commands of us, the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, the saints. Um, now, the commands of the apostles of Christ are what? Well, what they are, indeed, is the very will and word of the Lord himself. Not only did he send them to be his ambassadors and his uh, representative, but he told them they would probably mar- lose their life in that work. He also also had opened their minds that they understood the scriptures, which was the Old Testament, so they had a complete understanding of the Old Testament that seems to have fallen on rocky soil in our day and time. But why did they need that? They needed that to explain and to speak well of the Messiah and God's plan for mankind. And then he gave them the ability, their their mind. They had the very mind of Christ, as the apostles taught. They spoke for him, and that's why they need, and the people here needed to remember, they need to listen to the prophets of the Old Testament and to listen to the uh, the apostles of Christ, the words that they said. And here's the point, and the point Brother Dawson also makes in his book is the complete lack of study of the Old Testament of the Bible in in our churches today is outside of some of the highlights that we go through for the, you know, the children get more by Old Testament than anybody else does. 
was at least a study about the 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 things that happened in the Old Testament that were dramatic and or 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 have a good moral to them, that sort of thing. You see, it's not a book of myths and legends. It happens to be the Word of God, just as the New Testament. So how can we understand the New Testament without a good understanding of the Old Testament? I don't think we can. So the study of the Old Testament, I think, is now just relegated to the world of the academia, um, the uh, those that are uh, uh, looking for antiquity. Uh, it's not really used within the assemblies in, as it should be. And I think this has been devastating to the understanding that people have of the New Testament. You know, you start in the New Testament like... Uh, when I was in the military many a half a century ago, uh, they would give soldier sailors a little booklet of of the uh, Gospels and the Book of Psalm. And uh, within that, even though it was good reading, um, you're not really going to understand what the Gospels are about. You know, you learn about the, the virgin birth of Christ and all, but why? What's the reason? Well, you listen to what the angel says about this one to be, to be born, and but you see, you've you've lost the history of mankind unless you really know it. You can't start with Matthew chapter one verse one and expect to really understand things in a way that will be useful for you in finding your salvation. So we need to be presenting the Word of God and to be mindful of it. The Apostle said we should, even in that day. Why would anything be different right now? I don't believe it is. When we go on to the next verse, we could speak for a long time on these things, but... Let's look at verse 3. Um, and he starts off again in, in a way that we need to grasp this. This first knowing. In other words, this is the first thing I want to tell you, and it's very important. That there shall come in the latter end of the days scoffers, according to their own desires going on. And then we're going to talk about some of that. But here a point is made concerning the idea of the latter end of the days or the latter days. Okay? Now, when were the latter days, I guess, we'd like to know? Well, according to the Old Test- or the New Testament, and the Old as far as that goes, the latter days were the days they were living in right then. Why would uh, Peter be warning the people in A.D. uh, 65-66 of scoffers sometime beyond our day? Well, he wouldn't be. He wouldn't be. And so that's, that's silly to think of. 
What are the last days spoken of in the Bible? Well, I think we can rule, rule something out. And if we can rule this out by the Scripture, then the whole, con- the whole concept of futurism is gone. Here's what I believe we can rule out. It cannot be the Christian age that, that are spoken of in the latter days. Okay? It can't be. According to the scripture, that is. Now, I know according to churches and denominations, and um, I mean, one group even calls themselves the Latter-day Saints. But nonetheless, they, they, don't, they don't understand where they live in, in history. The kingdom of Christ is, is, uh, is the Christian age. The kingdom of Christ and God. That's the age that everyone says the latter days refer to, but not according to Scripture. Now, why can't it be the Christian age? Because the Christian age has no end. So how can you have latter days to something without an end? You can't. Not in our vocabulary, not in our uh, way of speaking or anybody else's that I know of. Let's look at Luke chapter 1. Verse 31, and these verses are very important. And this is the angel speaking to Mary in about, about three, 2 or 3 B.C. And lo, thou shalt conceive in the womb, and shalt bring forth the Son, and call his name Jesus. He shall be great. The son of the highest he shall be called. And the Lord God shall give him the throne of David his father. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob to the ages. And of his reign there shall be no end. That's the, uh, that's the age that we have nearly every church in the world talking about latter days being found in. I guess that memo didn't get to the angel here. We're, we're wrong with these things, friends. The scriptures are true. We're, we should be mindful to them. And in Isaiah 9-6, um, I'm going to read Isaiah 9-6 from what I printed out a long time ago from the Septuagint the Alexandrian, and in, this is from the Greek. It doesn't read like our normal Bibles. Um, exactly. Um, our translation is a bit on the Calvinistic side, I'm afraid. But Isaiah 9, 6, speaking of prophetically of the Messiah. For a child is born to us, that is the Jews, and a son is given to us, whose government is upon his shoulder. And his name is called the messenger of great counsel. For I will bring peace upon the princes and health to him. His government shall be great. And of his peace there is no end. It shall be upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to establish it and to support it 
with judgment and with righteousness from henceforth and forever. The seal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. This is God speaking from heaven through the prophet Isaiah on the Messiah. Those are wonderful words for the people. Let's look at Daniel 2.44. Daniel speaking sometime after Isaiah, but speaking of the very same thing during the time of the Roman Empire, uh, the last in time of the kings of the uh, fourth beast, if you will, as you, or the fourth part of the statue. And he says this to Nebuchadnezzar, And in the days of these kings, raise up doth the God of the heavens a kingdom that is not destroyed to the age, and its kingdom to another people is not left. It beateth small and endless all these kingdoms. It standeth to the age. I don't know. I'm, you know, I've just read three, three passages here, uh, and there are, believe it, there are more. Now, how have we missed this? How is it we're still putting the last days in the church age? I don't see how that's possible. But I, I, it must be because I walked around with this thinking in my head for a long time. Um, <clears throat> we have an un, unending desire for an earthly kingdom. Well, that's, that's, I think you're, that's, that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, we, want, we want control and power or, you know. Now you're getting into it because um, it's impossible to have control and power uh, when you take away the threat. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the age of faith, not the age of threats. Yeah. Uh, that That's right. Uh, but the okay. threats were before. These admonitions, the threats, I, we, we studied um, yeah. Amen. last time we looked at Deuteronomy, was it 32? Yeah. yeah. Deuteronomy 32, and there, within that chapter were all the threats. First it had all the wonderful promises and blessings, and then it had all the threats about what happened if they departed the faith, if they departed God and ignored God. And uh, the Jews were living under the threat of punishment. And they were in now in the last days, and then as the Apostle John writes, in about the same period of time that... Uh, that Peter writes here, uh, we are in the last hour. By the way, a lot of commentators want to tell you that word hour is really day. That is, well, they're hoping you never go to the Greek text and, and actually find the word and look it up. Because, you know, it is a Greek word. You think the Greeks had a different word for hour and day? Yeah, just like we do. But why don't we, they want us to know he said hour? Because it gives the time statement, it gives the whole, the whole flow of it, it makes it obvious. And they don't want that to be obvious because that's not what they teach. Better not read Matthew 24 either. No. 
Reading the Bible will bring you to the truth of things. Thus, friends, the term the end of the age is Jesus in Jesus' teaching and the apostles' teaching and the teaching of the New Testament in general did not refer to the end of the Christian age, which has no end, but of the end of the Mosaic age, right? You see, the end, the, the end of days uh, is also used in the Old Testament in reference to the Jewish age. Remember that Old Testament, friends, um, was written, written to the Jewish people. These are Jewish prophets speaking of things to do with the Jewish people. Uh, they also make comments about the world powers of the day and the invaders and their punishment that God will give them and this sort of thing. But the tone and the reason is to follow the chosen people, those set apart through Abraham to carry the seed, the Messiah, to bring an end to the first covenant and, and the promises of God uh, that men would be redeemed of their sin, the sin problem put away by the Messiah and all that followed right up to the end of the days, the last hour. And uh, we know even by world history that was the war was between A.D. 66 and 70 when all that was Jew, uh, Jewish and part of the Jewish economy, as they call it, not the business economy in general. Temple gone, most of the people gone, all their records gone. And Vespasian, General Vespasian, allowed one, one of the priests to take a group and go north, up around the... Uh, uh, up around the Lake uh, Galilee, Sea of Galilee, and simply to record their, their uh, goings-on and to preserve in a small way the, the thought of what was the first covenant people by these priests. He allowed that. A class according to Josephus. We don't find that in the Bible. Um, <clears throat> so... Uh, that's how devastated it was. Do you suppose it, the Jews felt it was the last days? If you'd have been in Jerusalem between A.D. 66 and 70, you would have, you would have known it by a lot, of, a lot of different ways. So, that's right. That's right, and it was considered the, the most devastating event that had ever befallen mankind that is dealing with the Jewish, the God's people. All right. Now, some people may have questions on this, but don't you think it's just logical? Isn't this very pointed that when we say we're looking for the last days and we're referring to the church, that it's a misnomer? We're not counting days. We can count them if we want to for our own use, but don't try to make any, any, uh, any comments as to the kingdom itself following days. It doesn't. That's a, not the point. It's a horrible defacement of Scripture. It is. Well, 
The next thing spoken of here in, in verse 4, the intimate return of the Lord. Was it expected? That's the question. And again, we find in the Bible, we come to this understanding that they, the apostles taught it was soon, it was expected, it was, uh, and that was, that was the truth. Some were saying that it hadn't happened yet, and they were tired of waiting. But that didn't mean it wasn't going to happen. Some were saying that God never did anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> so let's read verse 4 and see what uh, the apostles telling the, the readers of this letter now. This is a warning about these people that are causing trouble. He says, uh, he's according to them, according to their own desires, that's the people, the scoffers. And they're saying... Where is the promise of his presence? That's it. I see that he's got it right in the translation. It's not coming. It's presence. Mm -hmm. For since the fathers did fall asleep, all things so remain from the beginning of the creation. Oh, you know, that's, that's quite a statement, isn't it? Sure. So that kind of reminds me of what we hear today, you know, uh, when someone says, uh, God, what, what have you done for me lately? You know, it looks like I'm kind of on my own here. That's what people, how people think, um, as though they're waiting for God to, you know, make their next step. Or uh, you hear people say, "Oh God, uh, I'll wait for God to tell me what to do." Yeah. Well, I, I think this is just more churchianity terminology. Okay. The passing of time and, and your diligent study of the situation is what brings you to a decision. Hopefully it's, it's, it's guided by the Word of God. So what was happening here from creation till then? They were saying everything's the same. How can they say that? And he gets into that in, later on. How can they say that? But I want to talk about this because this proves, doesn't it, that the teaching of the apostles and the, and the teaching within the assemblies then was that this was upon them. It was soon to be. Where is the promise of his presence? That means that it had been promised. They've been taught that it was soon. I'll read it. We'll read it. Yeah. It had been promised. It hadn't happened yet. The Lord promised it and put it in the, the vocabulary and in the uh, uh, grammatically. There's no way to uh, dispel the fact that he said that people that were living and listening to his words would be there at that very time. So it had to be. Apparently these people had forgotten all that. You know what? They didn't forget anything. They just decided they weren't going to believe it anymore. That's what it is. These men were Jewish scoffers. Let's look at some scriptures here I got. Acts 6, 12 through 15. Uh, these are Stephen's uh, words in his uh, speech. They did stir up also the people and the elders and the scribes, and having come upon him, they caught him and brought him to the Sanhedrin. Then set up also false witnesses, saying, This one doth not cease to speak evil sayings against 
this holy place and the law. For we have heard him saying that this Jesus the Nazarene shall overthrow this place and shall change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all those sitting in the Sanhedrin saw his face as it were the face of a messenger or angel. So, <clears throat> you know, Jesus did say things like this, didn't he? Yeah, it's not, not, a, not entirely false. No, it's twisted. It, it, it's twisted. It's got a twist to it, uh, like it's, like it's a, an evil thing instead of the proper thing. That, that's the twist. The apostles were teaching just this that Jesus was going to destroy the temple. They were going, he, the, the age of the Judaism was, was coming to a, an end. The customs would change. It would become the, uh, the uh, regulations of the Jews under the law, and all these things would be, would be fulfilled, had been fulfilled by this time. And this brought them to a rage. And in chapter 7, we find that uh, the chief priest simply asked Stephen uh, if these things were true. And he said they were, at, in, in, after with a lot of words. Um, and it was so devastating to them that they plugged their ears and screamed at the top of their lungs and drug him out to where they stoned people. So this message wasn't, uh, wasn't really appreciated by everyone. Then let's look at Hebrews 10.37. Oh, these verses just show the tone of things. For yet a very, very little, he who is coming will come and will not tarry. By the way, how long is a very, very little amount of time to you? I mean, even if you stretch it out to the... Even if somebody breaks a promise and doesn't come when they're supposed to, <laughs> they might show up an hour late. That, that very, very is... Well, it's a dramatic effect in the English language, in the Greek, when, you, yeah. when the words are used, you know, one after okay. another, that's a super heavy emphasis. It's like the, it's the double... Uh, like the double negative, no, no, means absolutely, positively cannot be different. It will not come to pass. This, you see, very, very little. It, it's, a, it's a Jewish axiom, if you will. It's their way of speaking where they make a very uh, definite pronouncement here. Forty and, years uh, was, was not, I mean, that was a good good while. But yeah. Yeah, very little while. Okay. Uh, that's one. Now we go to James 5. Let's look at verse 7 through 11. James, not an apostle, but was an elder in the church and, and of course, uh, spoke the gospel. But this is what he knew. List to what he knew in the church. In, uh, he, I believe he was uh, A.D. AD 60, I believe. Somewhere around there was the time when he lost his life. 
but uh, or maybe a little later, killed in Jerusalem. But he says this, Be patient then, brethren, be patient then, brethren, till the presence of the Lord. Lo, the husbandman doth expect the precious fruit of the earth, being patient for it, till he may receive rain, early and latter rain. That's how the Jews phrased it. Be patient ye also. Establish your hearts, because the presence of the Lord hath drawn nigh. Murmur not against one another, brethren, that you may not be condemned. Lo, the judge before the door hath stood. An example take ye of the suffering of evil, my brethren, and of the patience, the prophets who did speak in the name of the Lord. Lo, we call happy those who are enduring. The endurance of, the, of Job ye heard of, and the end of the Lord ye have seen. The very compassion is the Lord and pitying. So what do you suppose James was thinking about as far as, uh, would he agree with these scoffers that said nothing's changed since creation, nothing's going to change? That's what they're saying. Now they had been waiting for only about 35 years at this point. So I believe simply they stopped believing in what the Lord had said and what the apostles were teaching. Yes, times were tough, you know. Times were tough for, for everyone. And they were going to get a lot tougher. Because uh, as far as the, the Jews were, they would be nearly, uh, they would, the Nero actually put an edict out that every Jew should be killed. And you were a friend of Rome if you killed a Jew. And that's exactly what happened from city to city during the, the decade of the 60, 80, 60s. Um, I forget how many hundreds of thousands of Jews were killed in every city in the area. Alexandria being the, the biggest one, they had a very large Jewish population. 50,000 were killed in one day. And, and that was a pattern in other cities. It was what brought the uh, Jews in Jerusalem to a fever pitch that they attacked the Roman uh, garrison there and actually won the first battle. Um, and when that news got back to Nero, he sent, uh, uh, oh, you know, I said it was uh, Vespasian before uh, about granting the priest to go north, but it was his son, Titus, General Titus. But Vespasian was sent to deal with the Jews in Palestine, eradicate them totally. That was, that was the orders, and that's just what happened. And, and that was sometime, uh, that was about 60. It was while, just while Nero was at the Olympics, if you believe it or not, by the way, that year, did you know that Nero won all the Olympic events himself? Funny how that works. Nonetheless, he was insane. But uh, it, it went on from there. Peter, huh? he was, uh, but he was quite the dancer as well. So, well, of course. 
Mm-hmm. He probably invented it, you know. So this is this is the history that we know of, right? I think they simply stopped believing. Peter is teaching the people to be patient for the day is near. Let's look at Matthew twenty four, forty eight. He's teaching them to be patient. And if, Jesus says, that evil servant may say in his heart, My Lord doth delay to come. This is the parable at the end of that chapter. And may begin to beat the fellow servants and to eat and to drink with drunkenness, the Lord of that servant will arrive in the day when he doth not expect, and in an hour of which he doth not know and will cut him off. And his portion with the hypocrites will be appointed. There shall be the weeping and the gnashing of the teeth. So to be a Jew and to be impatient for God's Messiah to return and complete the age was not a position that was uh, usable for that day. And... According to the clock on the wall, we're kind of out of time here. Um, but um, I would, uh, we'll, uh, we'll pick up with the, this chapter next time. It'll probably be our last uh, teaching in this particular phrase here, or uh, phase of, of learning about the time studies. We may look at some other time studies. Um, but we're going to be looking at verses 5 and 6 next time. And the goal is to bring us into a correct picture of time. What did the Jewish people hear in their own language, in their own understanding, when the New Testament was written? That's our goal. We want to hear what is being said just as they did. Now, they heard it from the apostles' mouth, and some of them still didn't believe. So that's not the point. It's not a magical formula here. But if we can hear what was said in truth, and our faith is in, in God and in his word, we will come to know the truth. With that, I will say good day to you, and have a, a blessed week as you are busy about your task in the Lord, we pray. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.